You're listening to episode 60. Hey there, Business Generals family. Welcome to another super episode of the Business Generals podcast where I feature amazing guests and I ask in-depth questions about their entrepreneurial journey. You know, my belief is that it doesn't matter how your journey in life started. It's not that important because great or small, the important thing is how you finish. So whatever your situation today, I want you to know that you can get your hopes up, that you are good enough to chase your dreams. In today's show, family, I dig into how it all started for our feature guests, how they have built their brand, and I even get into all the juicy details about their big challenges, their growth moments, and all their big breakthroughs. So it's going to be an amazing show. I actually selfishly started this podcast because I love to hear how entrepreneurs did it and I wanted to ask the questions for myself. So really, I am the number one student. So get ready for amazing coaching tips, family, to help you maximize your business dreams. Hey, welcome and thank you for joining me here on the Business Journals podcast where I chat with amazing entrepreneurs five days a week. And if you haven't already done so, just remember to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or Stitcher Radio or your favorite platform so that you do not miss an episode. We're coming out live five days a week. It's Davis Mutawa here, your host. Super excited to bring you today's feature guest, Miss Michelle Dale. Michelle, welcome to the Business Journalist Podcast. Uh, thank you, Davis. It's such a pleasure to be here. And um, I'm so excited about this. I think this is a wonderful thing that you're doing for all of your listeners and um, what lucky people they are. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Ladies and gentlemen, Michelle is an amazing founder of Virtual Miss Friday. You can check her out at virtualmissfriday.com. She provides online virtual assistance services and has been doing so while traveling the world, working from the comfort of her laptop. She provides online courses and consultancy services in this industry. And uh, I'm really excited. I, I, I heard Michelle on, um, on Yara Stark's podcast, and she's been a student of Yara's. Um, this is probably about two years ago, I think, she did that interview. And I thought, wow, this is a great story. And uh, just in the pre-interview there, Michelle was just telling me that um, things have actually become better. So I can't wait to jump into your story, Michelle. You've got an interesting background. Um, so I normally kick off, just tell us a little bit about your yourself outside of business and you know a couple of the highlights that people might be interested to hear about. Ah, sure thing. Okay, so I left the UK in 2005. So I've basically been a digital nomad since then. Um, I left on a one-way ticket to Egypt and I didn't quite know what I was going to do at the end. Um, found a love for travel, then decided that I was going to start a business. So um, I started my online business along the way. I met my husband, who's from California, and we've had three kids in three different countries. So I split my time now between my business and my family, and I'm still traveling, and I'm still having a great time. We live full-time abroad, and um, that's where my real passion is. It's helping other people to kind of discover this amazing online world and to see what they can possibly do with it in their own lives. That's amazing. So how long did you say you've been on the road for? Since 2005. <laughs> so it's about 12 years now. <laughs> wow. That, that, is a, that is a long time. And that's what the power of the internet can do for you, isn't it? It is. Absolutely. I mean, for me, it was like really insane because like back in 2005, I mean, 
not even Facebook was invented, you know, like there was no social media. There was no people online doing this stuff. It was yeah. just me and, you know, everybody thinking I was crazy for just, you know, upping sticks and, you know, leaving the UK and, and going off to travel. And, um, you know, I thought to myself at the time, I had very limited knowledge of the Internet. But I thought, hang on a minute here. You know, there's email, there's websites there must be something I can do to never have to go back to the UK again, but still be able to keep traveling. So I knew then it just had to be something on the internet that I had to focus my goals on. So I started to research uh, and, and see what potential was out there. And then I discovered um, being able to provide services online as a VA. And I thought that's it for me. So that's where it all began, really. Wow. So it sounds like you, you were just saying that you, you wanted to do whatever you could to make sure you didn't have to go back to the UK. And I don't blame yeah. you because it's pretty cold out there, isn't it? I hate the rain. I absolutely <laughs> hate rain with a passion. <laughs> and uh, I used to wait all year for the summer and then you'd get the whole of July and it would just rain. <laughs> so, and, and I really didn't want to be one of these people who just kind of like only went away and experienced life in the sun for two weeks of the year while, you know, my boss let me go. So, so for me, it was a huge thing. I worked in banking. I was up in the cold, you know, in the dead of winter every morning in the pitch yeah. black. I was... Honestly, it was it was a real dismal um, thing. And um, I always remember kind of like starting to travel, you know, a little bit more when I reached my, my sort of late teens and early 20s. And, you know, for me, when I left the UK, I was 23, but I was really ready for it. I love my fellow Brits. Please, I get me wrong. I miss my people, but I do not miss the weather. <laughs> Just not in the UK. We can catch up somewhere else. Exactly. I, I meet loads of Brits on my travels. <laughs> And where are you based right now? Right now, I'm in Greece. Um, so I'm on the island of Crete. I spend most of my time here um, during the summer months. And then I tend to travel in the winter. Although I've been doing quite a bit of traveling um, this year. I went to Bali this year in May. But, but generally, I, I like to kind of like go back to England for Christmas and do the whole turkey and Christmas put with my fam. And then right. after that, you know, we, we take the kids off and we go and travel for a few months um, to get some sun while it's a little bit rainy here. And, and then we come back for the summer. <laughs> wow, that's really cool. So I want to get a little bit more into your story. So 2005, you had a corporate role before that. Is that right? Yeah, well, I was in banking for, for a long time. I, I mean, when I started, I, I left school at 16. So I was doing every job under the sun just to try and make money. I, I'd left home as well. So, you know, I was renting different rooms and stuff and just basically trying to scrape some money together, doing whatever I could. And then about 17, I landed a job in a bank and pretty much never looked back from there. And when I left the UK at 23, I was working as a power planner and office manager in a mortgage um, and financial administration firm. So, yes, mm -hmm. it was very officey and very corporate and, you know, the typical nine to five, I guess, although it never really was nine to five. It was more like, you know, nine to eight for me. Of course, of course. <laughs> so, but, yeah, you could say it was it was one of the more traditional jobs. <laughs> Okay, now if we if we skip a little bit forward and then we step back, what are your core revenue streams today? So from obviously from then from going from a full time job where I had a salary, I I now have my own business and basically my revenue streams come from services I provide to clients. 
um, from consulting work that I do for them through to providing virtual assistant services with my team. I have a team of about 30 people now. And I also um, have training courses and I do a lot of work with VAs. I do a lot of mentorship on how people can take their offline skills and in providing services and translate them into an online business, not just as a virtual assistant, but pretty much any skill out there that somebody has that they can provide as a service. So there's that side of the business as well. I sell products, I sell training programs, I do a lot of coaching. Um, Yeah, I just try and help people as much as I can in any way I can, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what's uh, what's the largest um, contributor to your revenue stream out of all those? Oh, it's hard to say. I mean, for me, I would say now I'm I'm really trying to focus more on my products. So I'm doing a lot of experimental stuff with clients now, trying to take them from five figure businesses into six figure businesses, and then basically I'm doing mm-hmm. that so I can sort of grow my products and teach other people and other virtual assistants how to create six figure clients. So for me, it's more around my programs and my courses now. And, you know, I I kind of have a membership site as well. So I get monthly income stream from my subscription membership site as well as my program. So I would say that's probably my primary income source. And it's certainly where I'm focusing my attention. That's great. Now let's kick it back to when you got started. How did that all happen for you? And um, what were the first couple of things that you started providing to your clients? Okay, so when I got started, um, like I said, I was living in the UK and one day I came home, my house was completely robbed. Um, like everything I had worked for, everything, the door, the front door was off the hinges and there was there was nothing wow. left in the house. So I decided at that moment, the only funnily enough, all, they took all my paperwork and um, the only thing that was left was my passport. Um, and I just took that as a sign and I thought, I'm going to go away, I'm going to try and... <laughs> figure this out you know like once you get to nothing you're like okay I can start all over again so I went into work the next day I quit my job I went down to the estate agents put my house on the market my heavily mortgaged house I didn't want to mortgage anymore (laughs) and Mm. then basically I booked a one-way ticket and I went off traveling and then at that point with which was when I realized I didn't want to go back I decided I was going to start researching online came across virtual assistants started the business And basically from there I started, I knew that I didn't have the skill set required to be able to just go into this thing and confidently know what I was doing. So I started to then contact some peeps back from home to see if like, you know, I've got this idea, can I try it out with you? Um, You know, a lot of financial advisors back then weren't online and on the internet. So I just kind of used the resources I had to try and get some experience once I realized that it was working and, you know, I said, okay, now I need to start taking paying clients. So at that time, I started taking paying clients in just for things like admin, customer support, personal assistance, that type of thing. Um, and from right. there, I branched out into website design. And then from website mm-hmm. design, when social media came on the scene, then that's when I started getting into social media and marketing. Very interesting. And did you have skills in web design and the other bits, obviously admin and stuff, because you're a power planner in, in a mortgage business, that that would have been okay. But what about like design stuff? Yeah, no, th- those are the things I completely fell into. Um, basically, what happened was I needed to be able to build my own website. I didn't have any funds at the time. I was completely broke. But 
I managed to find a copy of this. Um, It was like kind of this old copy of front page, which I started playing around with. And then I started Mm. self-teaching myself HTML code. I self-taught myself Dreamweaver just through hours and hours of sitting there and playing around fiddling. I managed to create this site. And then everybody was like, who did your site? I want one. So <laughs> that that was basically how it ended up. Yeah. So then I added that service on and and pretty much that's how it all came about. I remember when I was living in France and um I was looking on the internet and um I'd met my husband by then and we'd had um we'd had our first child and I remember saying to him, Oh my god, there's this new thing on there called Twitter and you know, I think this is gonna be really big and I think that we need to, we need to learn how to use this and, and, and try and market our clients' businesses through this thing and our own business. And he was like, Okay, well, you know, it doesn't seem like very much, but you know, it's like I remember all these things and now Twitter is like this huge thing. Um yeah, so yeah. for me it, it's been really interesting over the years. But the, you know, I I kind of just stumble upon these things and fall into them. <laughs> but I'm a bit more strategic now, but that's that's basically how the services developed over the years. Now, I heard you previously in a different interview and you were saying you had a process of elimination in trying to identify what you were going to do. Can you walk us through that and why did you end up picking what you picked? Yeah, sure. So the first thing is, you know, like I, I had my criteria of things I absolutely had to have fit into my business. The first one was it had to be a business that I could do on the internet so I could like literally pick up and go and, and travel and not be tied to one place. It was essential for me to yeah. become loca- location independent. The next thing was that I didn't have to commit to specific times. You know, I didn't want to be in a time zone and have to commit to working in specific times. So that was another thing. You know, so I kind of like whittled down all these specific criteria that I really wanted in a business. Then I went out and I started researching online and I basically listed out anything and everything that I could find about working online, you know, different things that I could potentially do. And back then it was like internet marketing, blogging, you know, all these different things that, you know, like again in 2005, it was a long time ago. So there wasn't that many, but there was enough, you know, like, and I started, I started off dabbling in things, you know, I would start selling um, things on eBay, you know, I went down that route, like of the Mm e-commerce type thing. But I wanted to also use my skills of what I was doing. And I wanted to also do something that really captured me and it didn't feel like work to me, you know. So basically, then I I started thinking about admin and how to provide services online. And it caught me, you know, I, I mean, I would sit there sometimes for hours and hours, 14 hours a day, just thinking about this and researching. And I knew then that that was what I had to be doing, because I I was just engrossing myself so much that the time was just passing by I wasn't really noticing it and and I just knew that yeah. that's the kind of business that I had to start because I was just so personally interested in it and and I thought I could do it you know I thought this is it and and I was just going to go for it but that's basically what happened it fitted in with my criteria that I'd already set out for myself and because it fitted in and because I really loved it and I really enjoyed it those two that combination of those two things was basically the result for me that was the answer and here's two questions that are closely related. How did you know that you could execute on this idea and, you know, make it into a success? And then how did that lead you on to your very first paying customer? Okay. I, I think every entrepreneur goes into their business never knowing or having a guarantee that it's going to work. Everyone just kind of like says, do you know what? If I put everything into it, 
I'm going to make it work. <laughs> there's no, there's no uh, uh-huh. other option. <laughs> and that was it for me. Yeah. It was like, I make this work. There is no other option for me. I, I, you know, the consequences of not making it work were far too great <laughs> for me to actually fail at it. So, and I think, you know, that's mm. what we, we have to do. We have to, we have to have enough pain or enough passion. If we have enough pain or enough passion, then we know we're going to make it work. By this, I mean enough pain that whatever the consequences are of not doing it is far greater than you could even imagine. So you have to move forward. And the passion is enough incentive. It's enough promise of a better life. It's enough promise of more income and not having to worry about bills anymore. It's enough promise of getting what you want to achieve out of life. So I think there has to be enough pain or enough promise. And then you can pretty much say with 99% certainty that you will make it work. So I had no guarantee. I didn't know for sure, but there was enough pain, enough promise associated with it to say, I'm going to do it. I love that. That's, that's really powerful. And I can, I can almost sense your passion to say, you know, trying to convey that message to our listeners, enough pain and enough passion Mm -hmm. in the whole thing to drive you forward. Otherwise you, you just keep on doing whatever it is that you're doing and that hasn't really given you any results. So how did that drive you to acquiring your first paying customer? Because I know at the beginning you probably, you said you were just give, doing it for, I don't know, for free and then you went to paid. Is that how it happened? Yeah, that's absolutely how it happened. So I was living in Egypt at the time and obviously here, there I can live very cheap. And, you know, I, I started picking up a few odd jobs that were just kind of, you know, like paying my way and, I did a little bit of work for some people in Egypt as well. But the moment, I mean, you're talking about the defining moment where I said, I've got to get serious about this. And I will tell Mm. you, I I met my husband and a month later I was pregnant. And that was my defining moment. I was about to become a mother. Um, I was about to start embarking on this new life because we were traveling. You know, there was no jobs involved here. There was no, like, I didn't have the luxury of, you know, having somebody with an income and things like that. We were both just drifting. So for me, it was that moment where I realized I was pregnant and then I got to get serious. This isn't just about funding my travel anymore. It's about my family and, you know, my partner and, you know, about raising this little one. So yeah, that was Mm -hmm. it for me. I just, it was just flicked a switch on that made me even more determined to make it work. Right. And where did that first person come from that you were servicing and you charged them? Well, I will tell you back then it was so difficult to do this online thing because like I say, there was no social media. I think there was maybe one networking site, really old networking site that you could go on. I think it was called eCademy. It might still be going now, <laughs> but it was uh, that was the only place I could really advertise myself. And the other option was business directories online. You know, like they have uh, yellow pages and things like that. There was all kinds of free directories that you could add yourself onto and stuff like that. So I just went crazy and added myself onto all of these directories. And then the traffic started to come in and then the inquiries started to come in. And that's basically how um, I was able to secure my first client through a consultation and then, you know, taking them on board. Okay. Now let's get clarity. What does, what do you teach in your courses today? A virtual assistant. What are the main things that they do? Okay. I teach in my courses something more evolved than a virtual assistant because, I mean, this has been, you know, like 12 years in the making, but I teach something called one sourcing. Um, For me, one sourcing is about having somebody not just 
process tasks for you, but partner with you and help you try and progress in your business and take some responsibility for that as well in your business. But they do it through operations management. So I have a range of courses that teach people the basics of virtual assistants, you know, how to set yourself up online, how to identify your skills, how to get started, you know, how to grow your business, how to get your first clients, that type of thing, all the basic stuff that you need. And then that kind of grows and evolves into um, one sourcing, which is more about consulting and strategy and operations management, where we take care of the full admin marketing and creative um, areas of the business online. Um, so we provide this kind of full operation service, which is really incredible because so many people struggle once they get to a certain point in their business. A lot of people struggle with the growth element because they, mm -hmm. they having to hire team members. They're not really understanding what these team members are doing. You know, they, they're not technical. They're trying to manage a team like in, in, in the dark, you know, because they have to trust yeah. the other team members that they know what they're doing. Whereas one sourcing is is a little bit more of a holistic approach where, you know, with somebody like me who's kind of been through and grown the business entirely on my own and done all of these things on my own to start with, you know, I know much better how to lead the team. I know much better about expectations, about time, about, you know, management and leadership and things like that. So what I do is I teach people how to do that, how to be that leader, how to manage their team of VAs, which will keep the cost down for the entrepreneur ultimately because the entrepreneur is um, basically not the one sort of like in the dark about the whole thing, trying to manage it. They're also not micromanaging as well. They're not really involved too much in the different team members and telling them what to do and telling them what tasks to do. We put forward a plan to the client we say, this is what we're going to make happen in your business. We're all about listening to the client's end result and then reverse engineering it back until we've got the full operations done. And then they basically hire one person. You take care of everything and they go off and do what they do best. And that's the quickest way to grow a business is when the entrepreneur or the client is just focusing on what they do really well, you know, creating that content mm. or coaching their clients or, you know, doing their YouTube videos or writing their articles, you know, all that area, all that element is what the entrepreneur should be focusing on. Not, you know, who have I got doing this? Is this task being processed right now? Are we up to date with this? You know, they should be focusing on that. So that's where one sourcing comes in. That's what I teach. I teach people not only how to work with one sources in a more partnered oriented environment, but how to also teach people how to become one sources and, and be that partner for the client and be that one person who's just got their back um, to allow the business to function much more readily and grow much more quickly. I love that because I, I use virtual assistants and my, part of my team is actually international for, for this podcast. And the key thing for me is I want to focus on what I'm doing right now, which is having a, a great conversation with my guests. And then I don't want to get involved in the technical editing. I don't want to get involved in in the beautiful show highlight reel that we'll do after this show mm. um, because that's not my strength. And I would rather focus on, you know, getting good guests on the podcast. So I love what you're saying. So for, 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 for myself, for, for clarity here, are you seeing – this is what you're teaching for your students, but this is also part of the service that you provide? 
Yeah, basically. So I have um, a client base right now. They're all one sourcing clients. So basically I partner up with online entrepreneurs, anybody who has a digital business or a product to sell or a service to sell online. I basically take over and manage the whole operations, the whole back-end operations. So they don't have to be the one who uh, goes and tells their podcast specialist about that they need the showreel or they need this done. They're not the ones checking it either. They're not the ones seeing whether this person's going to do it on time. They're not the ones seeing whether the deadline's going to be met. It's not, that's none of their responsibility. It's all down to the individual, the one sourcer. So mm-hmm. that's where it kind of like, goes into another level of support there, you know, because although a lot of people use virtual assistants and they have that team around them, they're often the ones coordinating that team and checking in on things. And is this done? And are we doing this? And how's this is going? And I need this. Basically, instead of having the team, you have one person who makes it all happen for you. We put whatever we can on autopilot, and then anything new that comes in, you you just basically put that forward, we discuss it, and then we, we start rolling with that, whether it be new projects or tasks or ideas. It's basically just having one person that you go to who handles all your entire... It's like having a sort of CEO of your business, but they're not the CEO. They're kind of like the operations manager. Um, and that's basically what, mm. I, what I teach and what I offer. I love it. It's a good model because I think lots of entrepreneurs are trying to do too many things and then you you get caught out and you know you're missing deadlines on on your production or your content um, production um, schedules and stuff just to yeah. add something they're doing too many things but not fully understanding the process of those things and that's where it can become difficult you know i'm not saying the outsourcing industry is corrupt or anything like that but there are a lot of people out there who will take advantage of business owners or entrepreneurs who don't understand what they're doing you know oh this this show reel is going to take at least 10 hours to do type thing, whereas it might only take Mm. one, you know, and that's where a one sourcer will have your back as well because we're the people, because we pay the team, it's not the it's not the client who pays the team, it's it's the one sourcer, it's the person responsible for the team. Essentially, the team works for the one sourcer, not directly for the client. So we're constantly monitoring efficiency, productivity, time you know how are we going to do this how are we maximizing what systems can we use to speed this up whereas if you're hiring hiring individuals who you're not exactly sure what they're doing you're not exactly sure of the technical aspects then that can be a problem yeah in the long term i would say because there's nobody in there monitoring efficiency monitoring productivity monitoring monitoring how we can do this better so that's another key difference i think yeah. I want to talk about marketing as well. So from, from both the perspective of the, the students that you're teaching, when somebody comes to you and says, hey, Michelle, I, I'm, I'm a great virtual assistant, or I understand what small business owners need or what large businesses need, and I want to provide virtual assistant services. In today's internet world and marketing space, what are the key places you recommend that somebody starts from and, um, and go from to begin with? Exactly the place I started from. What, <laughs> what is it you want out of the business? How do you want to spend your day every day? You know, what could you do for free rather than get paid for it? What, you know, what takes you away? So that's the first thing we focus on is like, what do you really, really, mm. truly enjoy? And then we focus on the logistics of how to make that happen online. And that's pretty much where it all begins. For me, in terms of my one sourcing operation, I have key, nine key roles in it. 
from content creator to marketing assistant to social media marketing assistant to customer support. You know, there are, there are so many roles that you can involve in an online business that pretty much all of them are ripe for the taking. The ones who love it are the ones who succeed at it. So I never like to say to people, oh, you should definitely do, you should definitely specialize in Facebook because that's where the business is right now. The business is everywhere. Mm. And we, we need people in all these different facets to come together as a whole. So it's really, really about what are you going to love so much that you'll put so much effort into it that you're just going to completely excel at it and be one of the best. What's your marketing strategy today? I primarily use webinars. So with all my clients, um, because we have a lot of digital businesses, I, I do a plan. I call it a breakthrough plan, breakthrough consultation for the client. And we focus on three areas. So we focus on operations, which is the systems, you know, what we're using, you know, what customer support desk are we using? Where are we going to build your website? That type of thing. And then we do income mm. strategy. And the income strategy is all based around a webinar style format where we pr- deliver lots of value. I also use membership sites in there as well. So it's this kind of strategy which involves a membership site, which involves a lot of amazing content, which involves higher ticket products or programs or coaching services or something like that. And then we use a webinar to build the audience and deliver it all. So my strategy involves, it's kind of like a consistent stream of leads coming in into a free or a low cost membership site using Facebook ads, podcasts, interviews, that type of thing. And then it, right. it upsells every month into a monthly webinar where we deliver really high value content based on what the client knows or I know. I use the same strategy for my clients as I do for myself. So this is a strategy I use as well. Um, so I deliver yeah. a lot of high value content on a webinar on different topics. And then I basically sell my products and my services at the end of the webinar. And it works really, really well. We've managed to get clients um, into six-figure launches, over 100K launches just from single webinars and launches. So, so for me, it's a strategy that works really well. And it's really delivering at the moment. The, the thing about the internet is that it changes constantly. You know, what might work today didn't doesn't work tomorrow you know what might work today didn't work yesterday um what worked yesterday doesn't work today so so you it's about really keeping your finger on the pulse of what's happening right now online and in my personal opinion i do a lot of research on this not just for my own business but for my clients as well and webinars is pretty much where it's at right now and what 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 are the fundamentals that are making webinars work today that can give a lead indicator for somebody tomorrow if it's no longer a webinar so that they can know which one is next. Okay, so so why are, is your question like, why are people using webinars right now? What's the benefits of it and things like that? No, why do you think webinars are working so well for you? And what can we learn from that so that we can apply it to a different platform in case tomorrow webinars no longer hold the, you know, the attractiveness that they have today? Okay, so for, I, I definitely feel for me webinars are working because of the incredible value that you can take away immediately. It's instant gratification. And that's what we're moving into mm-hmm. now in the online world. Nobody sits and watch watches, you know, hour-long videos or reads, you know, 12 
hundred, fifty hundred, two thousand word articles anymore so much. You know, there there is a market and there is an audience for it, but people are looking for speed. We've got busy lives, we're busy people, we want to be able to attend an hour webinar and take something really awesome away from it at the end. So where the webinars stay, you know, for the next year, two years, three years, however they evolve, I believe it's the instant gratification that is currently what's working more than anything. That's why when we do webinars, you know, before we used to, this, and this is how they've been evolving, you know, I would say a year ago or 18 months ago, it would be really awesome to have, and it's still awesome, but I don't think it works as well, like a three-part video series that, you know, guides people through content, 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 you know, we started to find by the end of these three-part videos that were 20, 30 minutes long, you know, the attention span didn't make it to the end of the video series. So now we've replaced that with one like seven minute video that goes out before the webinar and we're getting better results from this one seven minute video than we are from these three 20 or 30 minute videos so <laughs> it right. tells you that although you're delivering although you're delivering great content our attention spans are, are, are showing us you know that basically you know from the work we do in veterans friday they're showing us that people are more likely to attend a webinar through a seven minute video with high impact content than they are from a three-part video series and then you have to make sure that when you're on the webinar that you keep what you're teaching succinct and short and high impact and actionable so people can take away immediately from that webinar something they can go away in action if you can do that and you get that sweet spot where people go oh my god this is amazing i'm going to implement this right now then you've mm-hmm. got the foundation to sell anything else after that because you've got them hooked. You know, you've actually mm-hmm. given them something tangible that they've been able to apply right away. And that's when you can upsell the detailed version of what you're selling on the webinar in a program, or you can sell your four week coaching course, you know, or you can sell your X amount of pound service package. It's all about delivering high impact and high value in short spaces of time. That's great value there. Um, how are you getting your leads, you know, get the people into the webinar funnel? You mentioned Facebook and a couple of other you know, podcasts, interviews, etc. Are you pay? Is it paid ads on Facebook and how are you finding those? Okay. So when a business is first starting uh, and they've got no audience, you know, like say I have a lot of clients who have sort of made it so far and, and they're doing okay, but they don't actually have a digital audience. You know, they've been doing a lot of stuff on, offline and they've got a lot of local people around them. So what we tend to have mm. to do is start paying for Facebook ads for those people for sure because, you know, we can't just make them overnight successes and we need to start generating an income. So paid Facebook advertising is probably the best way to do that. Um, certainly, if you want to keep costs low, you should be able to, like, set something like an ad up for about $50 a day, have that operating and running, try and get your conversion around to per conversion, which is a subscriber, you know, to a free offer or a free kit or a free members area or something like that. So that's how Mm -hmm. we basically start as the foundation. But there are also, you know, many other things that you can do. There's things like, um, you know, like I say, going on podcasts, doing interviews like we're doing now. And and although you, you don't always get these massive results, you know, you don't always do your first launch and, you know, suddenly it's like, you know, six figures. But what you do is if you do this on a consistent basis, you know, you have your funnel in, you've set your dollar amount, you're going on Facebook ads, 
you're proactive in your content on social media. So we often advise clients to do like weekly live streams on social media. We, we advise them to do regular blog posts every couple of weeks or, you know, every month, whatever they can commit to. So having that consistency in the content and keeping the value high, you will then start to also attract organic. There is another thing that we do for clients, which is working really well, and that's building communities for them. So Mm. We often do this in Facebook groups. So we will always start like a free Facebook group for the client where anyone and everyone can join, where we can put their content in there, where, you know, we can share success stories and results from people, invite them to webinars, that type of thing, but also provide a lot of high value. And people are generally, you know, really responsive in groups and things like that. There's more of a community feel. It feels less promotional, that type of thing. So we always try and start Facebook groups and build, start building communities for the clients as well. Um, but those, I would say, are the primary things that we focus on, just trying to spread the word, get it out there um, and see what comes back. Talk to me a little bit more about Facebook groups and some of the techniques and the strategies that are working to grow the groups. Yeah, sure. Um, we have a strategy right now with most clients where they usually have digital products or programs or online coaching and things like that. So we'll always have like a public Facebook group for them, which anyone can join, anyone that's interested. And we'll also have a private Facebook group as well, where only mm. um, people who have purchased or customers, paying customers can go into that one. So we often find that when we're feeding content into the free groups and stuff like that there's often like a, a crossover a spillover of people who are existing customers who say you know talk about their private group and talk about their programs and the things like that so we find that there are convers you know you don't even have to do very much there are converts providing you provide the good customer support providing you provide the quality mm. content and the programs and you can take care of your audience they will literally converse with each other and the the customers are selling to the other customers in from the paid group into the free group which is great you know but certainly strategies that are working are live streams inside groups and there's another thing that's really working for engagement is the three words so so if you've got a a group um you first of all everyone that joins you say describe yourself in three words mm. and everybody starts responding on that if you if you say to people introduce yourself Nobody does it. You know, no one's like, oh, I can't yeah. bother to do that. But describe yourself in three words. Everyone does it because it's just they don't have to think about it. It's three words. So, so that's a really good trick to, to start the engagement going. And that's what you really want in these groups is you want engagement. So you need to do that. You also need to share your Facebook group anywhere and everywhere. When we've got uh, a webinar that we're doing for clients, the first thing we do is when we're paying to get subscribers from Facebook ads onto that webinar, we want to maximize our Facebook group um, capabilities in that. So on the thank you page, we always immediately say, come and join the Facebook group. You know, before you join the webinar, we're, we're really excited to see you on the webinar next week. In the meantime, come and join the Facebook group. We want to know who you are. We, we want to say, you know, tell us your story or describe yourself in three words, whatever it is. So we always, yep. um, after a sign up for a subscription of any kind, send people to the, to the group, the Facebook group. Um, because again, you're just asking someone to do something for free. It's like, come and join our community. Tell us who you are. We want to get to know you. So that's another strategy that's working really well. And we're getting a lot of people join groups from that as well. Um, so yeah, keep the engagement, you know, by, by doing these little tricks. Also 
put graphics in there asking people about questions, you know, like um, share something you're working on today for feedback, you know, if you want feedback from the group. Or it could be, mm. you know, like you can have a marketing Monday or something like that, you know, where people can post all the things that they want to market in their business right now. I've got this webinar or I've got this product or, you know, I've just put this landing page up. Tell me what you think. It's really about the engagement. That's what's working really well right now. And also repurposing as much as you can, you know, from your website, getting people to join into the group. Because once they're in the group, you know, that's when a lot of this stuff can pretty much sell itself. I'm liking that. I actually am thinking of executing on that idea for, for our podcast because I've been thinking about whether we should set up a podcast group and i think yeah um, you should do it i'm gonna do that (laughs) you should totally do it it's awesome it's really awesome yeah um michelle tell me at the beginning are you coaching um your students to look for a certain number of group participants before they can start to expect things to sort of um to monetize some of that is it like a hundred people a thousand or is there really no no real target and and um stats on that there is no magic number to this and also it depends on the client's audience as well you know we we work with a vast array of clients in all different industries you know from the spiritual development industry through to personal growth and development for young young people and teenagers through to health and um you know nutrition and things like that and there's every industry is different this is why I I really like what I do because I get to see you know all these different industries and we try this out that's working well for client a and then we realize on client b you know this isn't working in the same way what are we going to do how are we going to prove this and then we start to sort of play around and figure out what's working for them but in terms of the audience you can I mean from my own story with Yarrow you know when I first started I had nothing. Yeah. I built a blog. I managed to get 500 subscribers onto my e- 500 subscribers onto my email list from that blog. I then went out and said, you know, I'm going to create a course and I'm going to give seven people free access to this course. Apply here if you want to join. 34 people, sorry, 40 people applied out of that 500 right. subscriber list. 40 people applied and said they wanted free access. And out of those 40 people, I, I nailed it down to 34 people who would actually really be appropriate to take the course. I gave it away to seven of those people. The rest of them I emailed out and said, I can't give it to you. The, you know, the seven places are taken free, but you can buy it instead. And I made $19,000 out of a list of 34, a short, a short list of 34 people. <laughs> so, so when it comes to size of audience, I don't think that you can really say, oh, you know, you need 500 people and then you're going to make 20 grand. It just doesn't work like that. But what we can say is that if you focus more on the value and you focus more on getting the right kinds of people coming in, you know, not just anybody and everybody, but you focus more on, it doesn't matter about small numbers I've found what really, really, because mm. I mean, I've worked with clients as well in million dollar businesses where they can have 1,700, 2,000 people sign up for a webinar and only sell 30 products at the end of it. Now, I've had people where they get 150 people sign up for a webinar and sell way more products at the end, you know, sell 50 yeah. people at the end. So, so it, it's not about the numbers, it's about the quality of the audience and making sure you're getting the right people on there. 
Um, so that's what we tend to focus on as well. It's trying to find the right people. It's trying to find the people who want to engage, who want to sign up, who are who are ready and hungry. And and a lot of the times that's also where the groups come into play because we've noticed that a lot of the people who have joined the group are the people that then go on to become customers. I love that you shared that story about how you launched um, your first main course. And um, I remember when I was listening to that story, I was like, what is she going to do with those ones who didn't get the free spots? And then you emailed them and then they yeah. they bought, you know, a bunch of them bought. I was like, wow, that's that was brave of you. Because most people will probably just say, come on in, I need beta testing. So everybody, all 34 of you just come on in for free, right? But you you, you cut it yeah. off and you, you reached out. So that was a great strategy. I think great, great lesson in that. Yeah, well, the funny thing is, as well as about that, you know, I, 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 I can't necessarily say that was my strategy. I actually thought to myself, I'll be lucky if I get seven people. <laughs> you know, it's like, I'll be, I'll be happy if just seven people apply. So I was really kind yeah. of bowled over that 40 applied, you know, and then, you know, I had to really go through them. I, I wanted whoever the seven were that I, I took on, I wanted them to be seven people that would succeed and then give me a great testimonial at the end. So I had to really be right. strategic about who I picked. You know, because it did, it was going to take a lot of effort from me and a lot of my time to be able to coach these people through what I was doing. And it was the first time I'd ever done it. Um, so yeah, for me, it was just like, oh, you know, I've got these seven people, but how can I, how can I still help these other? And this is what it all comes down to. It's about genuinely wanting to help other people. I was like, how can I still help these other people, but not kind of compromise? my health and my life by doing it and then yeah. the, the simple thing was okay well if i get paid for it then i can redirect my attention more into to helping all these people as a group and then it basically just i i was detached from the end result i just thought i'm going to put it out there i'll see if they want to come and join money was never my first goal it was all about helping people and somehow providing value to these people and seeing if I could potentially make some money out of it because I had to, you know, it's, you can't constantly do this stuff for free. That's what a lot of people don't realize about working on the internet. You know, you get people on a webinar and sometimes you do get people who are upset. Oh, you only brought me onto this webinar because you're trying to sell something at the end and things like that. So entrepreneurs, <laughs> you know, entrepreneurs get nervous about this. They're not looking at the hundred people that, that were able to have an advantage from this webinar and go away and apply something for free to their businesses that could potentially really change things for them. A lot of entrepreneurs focus on the one person who said, oh God, you know, all you want us to do is sell something at the end. It's like, well, yep. you know, we have to make a living here, people. <laughs> you know, I, I gave you some free value. You don't have to buy it. it. But, you know, it's like they get offended by being sold yeah. to. I think if any entrepreneur can get past that point, get you know, it's like a confidence thing, I think, to just get past the point where, you know, you're not going to be able to please all the people all of the time. But the most important thing is that you feel that you are delivering value and that people need to hear it. And, the, and, what, and what you need to focus on is the 100 people that went away and, and said, oh, my God, that was amazing. Thank you so much. Mm. You know, I've applied this. And then what happens is after the webinar, you get everyone going back to the group because you invite people back to the group and say that if you found this helpful, if you applied this and something came of it, come and tell everyone, come and share it. So then you get all the people going back to the group going, oh, my God, I just did this webinar and I did this and this worked and now I've got this client and now I've, you know, now I've got 100 leads and and, this, and it's just magic because then you're like, yeah, you know, like tell everyone so I don't have to. <laughs> so it's really awesome. Great, great. 
I love it. I love it. Um, now, Michelle, talking numbers. Um, I know on Yarrow's podcast, I heard you you share some numbers about some of how some of the courses have done and how some of your other businesses have done. Just from an inspiration perspective, can you share? what your business looks like today in terms of numbers um in terms of uh, like gross i can tell you what i take gross um so Mm -hmm. we're looking at probably between 30 and 50 thousand pounds a month um from the combinations of the different things i do so we're talking from um product sales and services that i do for clients and things like that it's a a culmination of everything but it's pretty good and it pays a bit. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. And you know, I wanna, I wanna, I want you to speak to somebody who doesn't have all the opportunities that we might have. You know, living in a first world country, I know in in quite a number of countries, virtual assistant work. As long as they've got someone's got a laptop and the, and the internet, it's an outlet for them to begin to generate some income for their families. Some of the students maybe have come from these kind of you know maybe third world countries or something like that. What inspiration can you can you share for that kind of listener? Okay, all I can say is that the internet is completely borderless. You know, once you start working in this environment, it's like you step off the planet into another world. I mean, there's a lot of people, I guess, who discriminate against, oh, you know, people in third world countries providing services, low cost. I know there's a lot of VAs out there who get upset about that. But there is a place for everybody in this industry. There is a place for the people who are able to comfortably charge $5 an hour because their rent is only uh, $30 or $50 a month. You know, we, we have to accept this. You know, that's why a lot of the VAs that I work with are charging these first world rates, but they're going to go out and live in Thailand and provide it because their money stretches a lot further. You know, so we so we have to think of it as like we, the the internet is a global community. There are an abundance of clients out there who are prepared to charge any rate that you want to charge. Uh, sorry, prepared to pay any rate that you want to charge. And there is an abundance of virtual assistants out there who can. Uh, afford to charge any rate that they want to charge because their cost of living is much lower or they're able to do that. So don't think to yourself about, you know, anything else other than focusing on how am I going to be the best at what I do and provide the best service so I can serve myself, so I can make a living, so I can serve my client, so they can do well out of it as well. It's got to be about the service. It's got to be about that. It can't be about the competitiveness or, you know, whether one person is good enough and things like that. There are a lot of VAs out there who are what I would call substandard VAs. They, mm. they're, not in, they're, they're either charging too little to be able to even provide a good service. You, you really want to avoid those VAs. You know, if you find somebody and you think, wow, this is too little, you say to them, you know, I want a really good job here. I want to hire you, but instead of paying you $2 an hour, I want to pay you $5 an hour. Um, you know, give me your attention. You know, I want you on this. So there's mm. that kind of strategy there. But believe me, if people are charging too little to, pre- to provide a great service, those people won't be a good investment of money. Um, it's well worth investing in people who really know what they're doing, who really love what they're doing, investing in people who have track records, who have testimonials, who have proof, you know, and who are, who are genuinely interested in the client and what they want to do. And they're not just sitting behind their desk, you know, clocking hours to be able to meet the paycheck at the end of the month. It's really interesting because I've been in the industry for so long now and I've come across 
a whole variety of people. And, you know, some of my absolute best virtual assistants have been the highest, you know, the highest paying ones out there. And some of my best ones have been like the lowest, the people who are charging the lowest rates out there, you know, so it's, I can't say, (laughs) you know, that there is any one rule for anybody. A lot of it comes down to mindset. Um, Davis, if you're, you know, an entrepreneur, business owner, you, you know all about mindset and you know how that impacts and affects your ability to earn money, your ability to provide a good service. So, if you can get in the mindset that there is no competition, if you can get in the mindset that you're going to charge what you're worth, you know, and that whatever you charge, you're going to deliver over and above that. So, you know, you're going to really, really over deliver, then you will succeed in, in this industry for sure. I love that. So strong mindset, charge what you're worth and over deliver. I think those are, those are gold. And it's a great segue for me because I want to ask you, if somebody's starting out or they're already in business, what are the best two books that you have read that you think are great for entrepreneurs? Oh, do you know, that's a hard question. Narrow it down to two, isn't it? Because <laughs> there are so many out there. I've read so many over the years. But I will, I, if, I, if I tell you my very, very first one that stayed with me and my very, very most recent one, then we'll, we'll narrow it down that way. So the very, very first book that I that changed my business was The Science of Getting Rich by Wallace Wattles. It's a really, mm-hmm. really old book. Um, but the principles in it, I applied them, I was like, this is the missing piece. You know, I had all the the knowledge and the know how and the determination, the drive, but you know, I was constantly telling myself negative things like, oh God, what if this doesn't work? Or I was I was constantly focusing on the worry and the angst and things like that. That book really taught me to think no, I've got to stop that because I'm sabotaging myself. I've got to focus on the best case scenarios. I've got to focus on the best outcomes. Mm. I've got to have my vision and just believe that I can achieve it and not let anybody, you know, waver my thoughts from that process. So Science of Getting Rich is that one. And then a most recent one, I was actually in an airport. Yeah, totally. Um, I was in an airport recently. Um, um, I was coming back. I was in Bali for my birthday. I came back from Bali and I was on my own. My my husband had stayed home. And I just walked into this bookshop and I don't really buy physical books, but I just got sent directly. I don't know whether it was a universe or what, but I was sent directly to this bookshelf and I picked this book up and I went and immediately bought it without even really looking at it. Um, but it's been incredible. It was definitely sent to me through a divine force. So I'll share this one with you. It's called 48 Laws of Power by Robert Greene. And Mm -hmm. um, it's a very, very short, very simple, very small book. It's a concise version of it. But there were so many little nuggets of wisdom, really powerful nuggets of wisdom about entrepreneurship and leadership in there and how to cultivate an audience and how to, you know, to get people to purchase from you, but in not in a horrible, like kind of shifty way, but in a just kind of like an abundant kind of way. Um, so that for me was a really good book, The 48 Laws of Power by Robert Greene. Love it. The Science of Getting Rich and 48 Laws of Power. I haven't heard of the second one, but it sounds like a great book. So thanks for sharing that. You're um, Michelle, what is the best way for people to connect with you? The best way for people to connect with me, I guess through like if you go to virtualmissfriday.com and then you want to come down um, to the bottom of the screen, there's loads of social media links on there. You can connect with me. Hit me up with a 
contact form, you know, do send that into support. Either myself, some of my team, my PA will pass it on to me so I get to read your messages and things like that. Um, but also I'm really active on my Facebook page and in my group as well. So um, check those out. My group is facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash the VA Academy. And even though it's for virtual assistants, we get so many clients in there looking for VAs. They join the group and then they're like, you know, I'm looking for a VA for this, I need help with this, that type of thing. And then you get a whole bunch of VAs going, yeah, I can help you with that. So it's a really great great place whether you're a (laughs) VA or whether you're not (laughs) to get some help and support in your business. (laughs) That's lovely. I love that. And that's a great spot because most of these people have been trained by you. They've been vetted by you. So it's a good place to come and and look for for somebody of good quality. So thanks for sharing that. And uh, we're going to link all these up in the show notes and uh, in our show highlight reel. So while I'm talking about the show highlight reel, we're going to put that up at businessjournals.com forward slash Michelle D. That's Michelle double L and D. So check that out. Um, our VA is going to put that up. His name is Peter. Peter is going to put all of that stuff up for, for us. And um, you don't have to take notes. If there's anything that you loved in this interview, it's going to be in the show highlight reel. Now, Michelle, before I ask my last question, I really want to thank you for coming here on this interview. I, I knew it was going to be good, but I didn't know it was going to be this good. You have shared lots of value right across a broad spectrum of of different aspects of being a business owner and being an online business marketer. So really thank you for, for your time and for pursuing your dreams because I know through your pursuit, someone else has been given the permission to chase their dreams. And now for the last question, Michelle, when all is said and done, do you think about legacy? And if you do, what legacy do you want to leave and be remembered for and tell us why? Oh, that's a great question. First of all, thank you so much for having me. And um, I really, really do hope that people will take away what we've discussed and, you know, try and use it in their own businesses. In terms of my legacy, I definitely feel that I want to change the outsourcing industry into something much better through the methodology and the business model of one sourcing, through taking all the absolute best pieces of the industry, whether it be the individual VAs, whether it be the skills and the services, whether it be the marketing, just taking all the best pieces of the industry and bringing it together into one kind of super outsourcing model that's really going to help clients and help VAs to live their best life and to make money and become abundant and um, be able to travel, do whatever they want out of life. So that would be my legacy. And I've already started, um, but like any legacy, I don't think you ever actually finish it until the day you die. So <laughs> I'm going to be on this for a while. <laughs> Love it. I thank you for sharing that. And um, it's great to hear that it's a, it's a bigger purpose than, than just you um, being in your business, but you, you're looking out for the industry and serving business owners. So I appreciate that. And I, I know it's going to go a long way. So thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. That brings us to the end of the show. Thanks for hanging out with me and Michelle. I hope you enjoyed that show. And I hope you can get your hopes up that you are good enough to chase your dreams. Head on over to businessjournals.com forward slash Michelle D. And you will grab the show highlight reel for this show. And um, you can also check out businessjournals.com for all the other shows. To connect with Michelle, go to virtualmissfriday.com and check out all the good stuff that she has there. She has a webinar coming up. Lots of um, different trainings there that you can grab. So, Michelle, thank you so much for being on the Business Journals podcast today and for sharing your story with us. We're absolutely grateful. You are a true business general. Thank you. 
Hey, what's up, Business Insurance family? Thank you for joining me and for listening to the Business Insurance Podcast. Connect with me at Davis Mutabwa. That's D-A-V-I-S-M-U-T-A-B-W-A. Connect with me on Facebook, on Twitter, on LinkedIn, and you can certainly find me at our podcast blog, businessjournals.com. And while you're there, remember to access all the show notes, a ton of free resources, killer training, and so much more. Love you guys. Thank you for joining me. Ciao.